0: And we are going to pray and ask God's blessing on his word today. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we have the opportunity, as has already been proclaimed from this pulpit today, that we have freedom to worship. And yes, we are thankful for our president who has encouraged people to to go back and worship and pray because he understands and all of us as Christians should understand that prayer is the key that unlocks the doors of heaven's blessings upon our country and upon this world. And as we all pray together in one accord and one mind and one heart right now, we're asking you, oh God, to give us a cure for this Disease, this virus, that it might be taken away from our midst and that we might, Lord, return to a time of life where we can enjoy the blessings that you bestow upon us. Now, Lord, we understand that you have reasons for allowing this to continue, and we are not trying to sidetrack you because we know we don't have that ability to start with, but we are asking thee to have mercy upon The many that have died and upon those who are who are sick with this and that none of us in this room or in our congregation in our area would continue to have complications with this virus lord we thank you for what you will do we pray now your blessing upon the word of god that is going to be given here today may you fill your your servant with your spirit and may we all be fed the Word of God in such a way that we will enjoy learning and that we will take it and use it for your glory, your honor, and your praise, that we might understand that we have been forgiven and that we might forgive those who trespass against us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning we are looking at the seventh element of our current study on what is salvation, we are looking at the word forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Our key verse today is found in Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse number 22. Hebrews 9, 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no forgiveness or The New Testament word is remission of sin. Now what is forgiveness? The definition that you would find in a Bible dictionary or commentary would say, the counseling by God of sinners' debt and guilt on the basis of Christ's death for sinners, if the conditions of repentance and faith in Christ Are observed now. Simply for us hillbilly folk, the word forgiveness simply means to send away, to send away. So may I remind you that the moment that you received Christ and you prayed the sinner's prayer, your sins were sent away from you. Praise God. Now let's talk a little bit about forgiveness. In our little paragraph of explanation here, debt is a, is a terrible predicament to be in. Uh, I, I know my mom, <laughs> bless her, when she was alive, she got that electric bill and she said, Oh, hurry and get that to the post office. Get that out of here. She <laughs> She believed in paying her bills before they ever arrived. She worried about the gas bill more than anybody I had ever come in contact with. Well, the gas bill hasn't come yet, and I want to get that paid. And I thought, Mom, you've got a month to pay it after it comes. Don't be in such an uproar over this. But she was one that wanted to not be in debt well today we know that plastic money that everybody has a uh at least one of and they want to send you one every month from some certain different uh, credit card companies but that credit card can get you in trouble before you know what's going on and so credit cards and uh, bank mortgages and then there are those people that uh, have this uh, they want to call it a disease now, just like alcohol. They say alcohol is a disease, and drug addiction is a disease. Well, uh, I really don't know that that is really a very good way to put it, but uh, because people get involved and there's such an epidemic of these things that gambling has become a very big problem in our world today, and people have this... this uh, knack to want to waste all their money thinking that if they hit the lottery then they'll have it made for the rest of their life. And and what percentage, very small percentage of people that uh, play the lottery and go to the casinos and this, and this and so on ever win very much money as much as they pay out. So anyway, gambling is a predicament that people get themselves into car loans and and back taxes and student loans, well, that's a big one today in our country. Young people trying to get an education, and yet they almost take half their life or more to pay it back because loans are so uh, have such a, a great interest on them. And many other types of, of uh, debt can bring insurmountable pressure on an individual. <coughs> Creditors continue harassing with phone calls and texts and letters and visits to homes demanding a payment or criminal action or illegal action uh, legal action will be will be taken and so we see spiritually speaking he, Jesus, paid the debt he did not owe I owed the debt I could not pay I needed someone to wash my sins away and now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. These ly- lyrics say it all. I was indebted to God for my sin. I could not, by good works or by keeping the law of Moses, pay the balance due. And Jesus took over my account. And now it's, praise God, paid in full. Amen. The only way a sinner can have sin removed from his life is to believe in Jesus Christ. Let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, we have the apostle Peter going to the house of a Gentile. Now, Peter was a Jew. And Jews were not supposed to have any kind of dealings or communication or friendships with those who were not Jews. But God said, when I tell you something is clean that you think is unclean, you better think that it is clean. And so Peter went to Cornelius' house. Now, Cornelius, it seems, was a uh, leader of a Roman Uh, army units and uh, he had been seeking the hebrew uh, god or he had been seeking for for forgiveness and so we see that peter goes to his house and in verse number 43 peter explains to cornelius what he needs to do to get right with god and so he says to give Uh, to him give all all the prophets witness that through his name, speaking of Jesus, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission or forgiveness of sin. In other words, your sin will be sent away. And we're going to get into the Old Testament in a few minutes and we'll understand how sin was symbolically sent away uh, through the Old Testament law. All right, now upon what is forgiveness of uh, of Jesus Christ based? What is our forgiveness based on? And so uh, we could have sang a good song this morning about forgiveness. What can wash away my sin? Nothing, Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's what first... Chapter of Ephesians and verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Well, there's three words that we've already studied grace and redemption, and now today, forgiveness. We have that blessing of being forgiven through the precious blood the apostle peter says the precious blood he didn't just say just the blood but he put that adjective there describing it he said it's precious blood first peter chapter 1 and verse 19 but with the precious blood of christ as of a lamb without blemish without spot and so peter emphasizes that only christ because he was perfect in his sinless life and his perfect sacrifice, he was blameless. That he was able to forgive sin through the cleansing of the blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. Now, uh, we say, well, okay, he he has sent away our sin. Well, how far did he send it? How far did it go? Will it ever come back on me? Will it ever be dug up and thrown up in my face again and what does the bible say the word forgiveness also is translated remission or removal god uses these illustrations to show how far our sins are removed from us when we ask jesus to forgive us all right let us look at some verses and you can Write down your response to these. Let's go to the Old Testament and look in Brother Micah, the prophet of God, chapter 7 and verse 19. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. That means our extreme sin. And thou wilt cast all their sin into the depths, of the sea where are your sins removed they are in the depths of the sea now some some uh, theologian somewhere along the way said and god put up a booty a uh, 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 a buoy there with a flag on him saying no fishing no fishing nobody can fish up your sin and bring it up against you. You know, scientists or oceanographers have never found the depths of the deepest sea, and if they had, they couldn't find your sin anyway because God has removed it, amen? And so uh, we see uh, that uh, no fishing sign is on, on the depths of the deepest sea where God has placed our sin. Now, another wonderful illustration, David writes in the Psalms, Psalms 103 and verse number 12. It makes me think of one of those old vacation Bible school songs that we sang here at the Stryker Bible Church. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. Praise God. My sins are gone, 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 gone. Y'all remember that? All you little kids that came to Stryker Bible Church and we sang that wonderful song, that chorus, Gone Are My Sins. Well, where are they gone? Psalms 103 and verse 12. As far as the east is from the west. Wow. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now, when I taught geography a few years ago, we had to learn uh, that you can never go east once you go west. You can never go west once you go east because you keep going east until you turn around and go west. And, And I had my students all confused. Well, that's because God wanted to illustrate how great his salvation is through the blood of Christ. Turn with me to the 38th chapter of the old prophet Isaiah and let's see what he says about our sins. Isaiah chapter 38 and we're looking in verse number 17 and he says uh, okay, yes. behold for peace I had great bitterness But thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind my back. Behind my back. You know, Jesus, uh, or God told uh, Lot and Lot's wife, don't look back. And you know, she paid the penalty for looking back. So God has put our sins behind us. We don't have to look back and think, well, well, I used to do... Don't go back and think about it because it's gone. God says it's behind your back. Go forward with your life. All right, let's go with 43. Isaiah 43. And uh, this is a good one. I I remember a little course on this one too. You say, man, you will sing through this message today. Close your ears if you don't like to hear it. (laughs) Isaiah 43. And verse number 25, let's see what it says. Thou hast brought me, uh, let's see, is that it? No, Isaiah 43, verse 25, yes. I, even I, am he who blotteth out thy transgressions. And I, I remember uh, I, used, I used to use this stamp. You had to put it in ink and you you put the stamp on there you blotted it and my sins are blotted out i know my sins are blotted out i know another course we sang here at striker bible church growing up and so he says i blotted out your transgressions and will not remember thy sins Boy, that's good isn't it? god will god has a bad memory he's forgotten. He has Alzheimer's. (laughs) When it comes to our sins, he's forgot them. Praise the Lord. I'm sure some of you are glad he's forgot some of the things that you have done in the past. We won't try to bring them up against you either. Look in verse 22. Chapter 44, verse 22. I have blotted out. Look. Boy, we had enough of this lately, have not we? Like a thick cloud thy transgressions and like a cloud thy sins return unto me return unto me for i have redeemed thee those old black thick clouds as we drove to charleston on friday evening when those clouds looked like was going to come right down and, and we was going to have to turn our lights on debbie said did you got your your headlights on because the clouds were so thick. When God has blotted out our sins, we'll never see them again like a thick cloud. And then, old oh, Jeremiah. Oh, prophet Jeremiah chapter number 33, or 31, and uh, verse number 34. And Jeremiah says, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. God has bad memories. He'll remember your sin no more once you're saved. Praise God. All right, now, let's go to the Old Testament. Under the Old Testament law, sin could only be atoned or covered for. There was no remission or removal of sin until Christ's eternal sacrifice And so let us turn to Leviticus, chapter number 4. And let us look in verse number 35, chapter 4, verse 35. And uh, of course, uh, this is the law of Moses. And Moses is writing about how the priest and the congregation could have their sins uh, forgiven. And he shall take, that is, a priest shall take, All the fat thereof as the the fat of the lamb is taken away from the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar according to the offerings made by fire unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement, a covering for his sin that he hath committed and it shall be forgiven him. Now you know that only lasted one year. Then he had to go back and do it again the next year. Well, my friends, how old are you? Think how many lambs you would have killed already. You might run out of lambs for some of you. Not me, of course, but going on. We see in Hebrews chapter number 9 that the Apostle Paul is writing here and he's talking about what we just read in Leviticus about the Old Testament sacrifices by the use of animal blood that only covered for one year, atoned for one year. Let us look in uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and look in verse 12. And Paul says, Neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by His own blood, Jesus' own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained what? I want you to get on that word there. What is it? Eternal. eternal. That's why we have eternal life, because it's eternal redemption for us. Now, uh, drop over to chapter 10. Turn the page. Verse number th- 3 and 4. Still talking about those animal sacrifices. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance, again, made of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls or of goats should take away sin. So every year, the end of that year, your sins came back up against you again. What are you going to do? You're going to have to go kill that lamb or that goat or that bullock or that turtle dove and cover that sin for another year with the blood of that animal. Well, what happens? Verse 12, look, or, uh, chapter 10, Hebrews 10:12. But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice. Now how many sacrifices did they have to make? As many sacrifices as they were old every year. Another sacrifice, another sacrifice, another sacrifice. But here we see this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, Forever, Boy, I tell you, that's where you get your eternal life, friends. You've got to believe you're eternally saved. It's eternal life. What did Jesus do when He's offered one sacrifice for sin forever? He sat down on the right hand of God. What's that mean? That is an illustration saying that the work of salvation is finished. He sat down. He rested from the cross. He rested from what He did here on earth for us. Now let us continue to look verse 18. Here's a great verse. Listen, all verses are great, but listen to this one. Now where remission or forgiveness of these is, there is what? No more an offering for sin. for sin. There's no more offering. In other words, Jesus's sacrifice was complete. That ended it. No more. Period. It's over. You can't do no more to save yourself than what Jesus did. You can't add anything to it. You can't get baptized enough. You can't have enough communion. You can't speak in tongues enough, wash feet enough. You can't shout enough. What Christ did on the cross was enough. Totally. It's over. Don't try to help God save you because He's already done it. He did the work on the cross of Calvary. It is finished once and for all. It's ended. So, praise God. Under Christ, when a sinner repents, he is forgiven and the result is he receives the Holy Spirit into his life. The minute you say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life Save me from my sin. That minute the old past is removed by the blood of Christ. And the new man comes into your soul. And brings eternal salvation. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says. Then Peter said unto them. And this is. uh, By the way this is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. And how many people got saved that day? Three. Three. 1,000 people. God saved. And this is what He said you need to do. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission or the forgiveness of sin, and you will, do what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, listen, that's what makes the difference in a sinner and a saint. We have been forgiven of our sins, and we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And He now lives in us and we should let Him control our life. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also give life to you. Your immortal bodies by by His Spirit that dwelleth where? In you. So when you got saved, the Spirit came into your heart. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now you say, okay, preacher, I, I get it. I understand that. But what if I sin after I got saved? Is there anyone in here that's never sinned since you got saved? Raise your hand and I'll call you alive. We are in the old flesh. Our old nature is still with us. What is saved about John E. Gabi is not what you see. It's my soul. It's the thing that God washed in His blood and He occupied with His Spirit when I got saved. Do I have a tendency to do wrong? I do because I have the old fleshly nature. What must I do to try to get that old fleshly nature tamed and under control? I must yield to the Holy Spirit daily. It's not a one time that, okay, God, you got control of me now. I guarantee you, you tell God, you got control of me today and tomorrow the old devil will come with something to try to lure you away from following Jesus. If that doesn't happen to you, there's something wrong. You know why? Because it happens to me daily. And the Bible says Paul had a fight with his old flesh. And who you yield yourself to is who you're going to serve. And so we see here that when a Christian sins, what can he do to be restored to fellowship with God? You see, you don't lose your salvation. You break fellowship with God. Let me give the illustration. I always use my son. Even though I've got two beautiful daughters, I'll use Jonathan because he's my son, and I'm a son of God. And so when Jonathan Shagabi came into this world, he was our full-blooded son. He has been a fantastic young person. Uh, He is now probably teaching a class somewhere online to his youth group up at McConnell. Um, uh, He he has, as far as I know, done nothing that I would be probably ashamed to say that he has committed. Now, I'm not trying to make him Jesus because (laughs) he's not perfect. But he's never done anything that has caused Debbie and I to be ashamed of him. But, you know, you you and I know that you and I have a tendency to do wrong with our Heavenly Father. Now, if my son got out here and did something that would make us ashamed of him, he would still be Jonathan, God be. He would still be my son. I might not be happy with what he did. I might have to have a little talk with him about why in the world did you do whatever it was that you did. But I would not tell him, you cannot come back to my house and be part of our family. You stay away. We don't. Want, you are disowned. No more are you my son. I would never do him that way, no matter what he did. I know parents that have children that have gone to jail. They have not said, okay, no longer are you my son because you're there. They go visit. They go try to get him help. They go try to do things to, to encourage him not to go back to that place and not to do the things that he's done. You see, my friends, God is the same way with His children. It is not God that has forsaken us, but we turn our back on God occasionally. We do things we should not do. What does that mean we're lost? No, that means we have broken our fellowship with God. What must we do to have it restored? We must simply come to Him and say, Father, I'm sorry, just like the prodigal son was in the hog pen and was eating the slop. And he said, he came to himself and he said, Huh! Well, I've got a father that I can go home to. I've got a father. I'll go back to. And his father, if you recall, didn't wait on the porch with a switch and was going to beat him to death for what he did. He ran and met him and was forgiving to him. And that's the way the heavenly father is. Now, am I saying that that you you have been saved so you can go out and do what you want to? Absolutely not. God forbid. That is terrible. That is not what I'm teaching. I'm teaching that once you're saved, yes, you're eternally saved, but yes, you need forgiveness on a daily basis. I do. I don't always read my Bible the way I should. I don't always pray the amount of time I ought to. I don't always take an advantage to witness to people that I should witness to. I don't always do good deeds when I have an opportunity to do those those things. I don't always give the way I ought to give. You see, my friends, we have sins of omission that are as bad as sins of commission. And people want to say, uh, these big, terrible sins that people do, Oh, they, they've lost, they're out, they're no longer in the church. No, my friends, they've just broken fellowship with God. They just need to come back humbly to God and say, forgive me, Lord, put me back on track, I want to continue to serve you. And so we see, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and He doesn't have a, He doesn't have a number limit on that. It's it's not okay five times and that's it. Remember what what Jesus said to Peter? How many times do you forgive someone? Seventy times seventy. That would be four hundred and ninety times if my mathematician is my multiplications right. So how many times have you forgiven somebody? Are you keeping track? Well, if Debbie had to count how many times she's had to forgive me, she'd run out of a cal- calculations. Right? You see, that's just, it's its God's way of telling us, don't try to keep track. Man, if you mess up, come back. Just get it right with God. He's forgiving. He's, he's a loving Father. He's a good, good Father. What did Jesus say about His grace? It's sufficient for me. Amen. Upon what should a Christian be willing to forgive those who trespass against him? Why should I forgive somebody that cuts me off in traffic? Why should I give, forgive somebody that who me in, a, in a, a, a deal of some sort? Why should I forgive? Colossians chapter 3, Paul says to the church of Colossae, verse number 12, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, that means putting up with, put put up with one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even ask what? Christ forgave you, also do ye. And above, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond, a perfection, Paul says in Ephesians chapter number four and verse thirty-two. He he sums it up in one verse. Paul <clears throat> used three verses there, chapter four and verse thirty-two. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, what, for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now listen when Jesus was crucified you know all the terrible horrifying uh, works that they did to him I just was reading uh, in my devotional time yesterday the the beating and, and the punching in the face and the blindfold and the hitting over the head and pounding those thorns down into his brow and the plucking off of his beard and the spit in his face and then the the horrifying cat of nine tails, the nails in in his hands and his feet, and yet he hung there six hours and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now if Jesus can forgive those that beat him to a pulp, and I don't think anybody is in here suffered like that, then we ought to forgive those that trespass against us. Now here's the Old Old Testament illustration. Turn with me to the book of Leviticus again. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And we're looking in chapter number 16. And this is the Day of Atonement chapter. In the Old Testament, there is an excellent example of forgiveness. It took place on the Day of Atonement or Covering. It is illustrated by the using of two goats. One goat was sacrificed and the other was released. This signifies the death of Jesus and the sinner's freedom from sin. Let's read it. Leviticus chapter 16 verse 7. Speaking of the priest, and he shall take two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron, the high priest, shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer it for a sin offering but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the lord to make an atonement with it and to let it go for a scapegoat into the wilderness look at verse 21 Uh, this one is not on the reading chart but And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and sending it away by the hand of a man fit into the wilderness." Isn't that a beautiful illustration? Jesus, the Lamb of God, dying on the cross, bearing the sin of all the world, and we go free. That goat, that... I bet he went... (laughs) When the lot fell on the other guy, and he got to go into the wilderness, but he was taking away, symbolically, removing... Remission, forgiveness of sin of the people. But it only was for one year. But then Jesus came. And He, the eternal Lamb of God, suffered and died for our sin. And He removed our sin forever. Praise God. Today, Christians observe the communion service. Which symbolizes, and remember that word, symbolizes, the remission or the sending off or removal of sin by the sacrifice of Christ's body and the shedding of his blood on our behalf. Let us see what Jesus said. And We we need to have a communion service about the first of July because that's when our church usually observes that. Four times a year. That would be the second quarter. Third quarter. Okay, the third quarter. Let's look at Matthew chapter 26. And of course this is Jesus at the Last Supper. And he is teaching his disciples what he is going to do the next day on the cross. By symbolizing it through a loaf of bread and a cup of grape juice. Let us read it. In chapter 26 and verse number 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it, like his body would be, and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed... For many, for the remission, forgiveness of sin. And I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until the day, that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen. Alright. Next week, we study the Word. What is sanctification? That's part of salvation. When you got saved, God set you apart. I'm giving you a little appetizer. Sanctification means to be set apart to do a work for God. Let's pray. looking to the Lord in, in prayer. If there's someone here today that is lost or needs to recommit their life, you've never accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. Bow your head right there where you're at. And pray the sinner's prayer. Say, dear Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me. Thank you for dying on my behalf on that cross. Now help me to live for you from this day forward. Now if you'll pray a uh, a prayer prayer like that your sin will be completely eliminated annihilated and God will give you eternal life if you need to recommit your life just come back to God and say in prayer Lord Jesus forgive me where I failed you I want to be reinstated into your fellowship I want to start afresh with you Come into my life afresh. Help me, God, to live for you again. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for thy word, for the assurance we have of your eternal salvation. We thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for restoration that you give to us if we humbly come in sincerity. We pray, Father, for each one here that you protect them, watch over, and give us safety as we return to our homes. Help us to be thy servant. In Jesus' name. Amen.